Greg Van Borsum. If you were to look at Greg's life, it reads like a success story. The world's youngest professional natural bodybuilder, a world champion pistol shooter, an international martial artist, and an award-winning filmmaker. But you're only looking at the mountain peaks. You're not seeing the valleys. It was battling through the losses of many colleagues, friends, and family to suicide, and then to nearly to losing his own battle with the darkness, and that is what truly reshaped his life. Greg knew something needed to change, and on his birthday, he set out to change it. He worked hard to become a national ambassador for Lifeline and Suicide Prevention Australia, became a global voice for mental health, and now has spoken globally on suicide prevention and mental health to corporations, the military, first responders, community groups, universities, and schools, and is now regularly asked to be part of government think tanks on suicide prevention initiatives and programs. With his speech, Are You Okay?, would you please welcome Greg Van Barsom. I love you. I will miss you. But I can't take the pain of this life anymore. And I just need to close my eyes and go to sleep forever. These were the final words ever written by my wonderful auntie, just moments before she lay back and so sadly ended her life. Eighteen years have passed and still I wonder. I wonder, did she ever reach out for help? I wonder, did anyone ever see the signs? And I wonder, did anyone ever ask her, are you okay? Three simple words, but three words with the power to save a life. You don't need a psychology degree to say them. You don't need medical qualifications. You simply need to care. To care about your family, to care about your friends, to care about members of the community, people you might not even know. It's called humanity. We've been starting to lose it. You see, years ago, if we had troubles and struggles, we could reach out to a friend. We could speak to a friend. But we don't do that anymore. We're too busy locked onto our phones to even notice a friend in trouble. Too busy uploading endless selfies to Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, trying to impress the world with what we're meant to be living, the life we're meant to be living. We've become nothing more than a bunch of pretenders, pretending we've got our act together, pretending life's so fantastic all the time, when it's not. But unfortunately, there's a flip side to this coin. You see, what happens when we see these images of people having great times all the time? It makes us feel like our lives don't add up, that our lives aren't worthy. And it's given life to three life-ending words. Depression, isolation, and suicide. Depression has now become the world's largest disability, and the numbers are getting worse. Loneliness and isolation have been clinically proven to be as damaging to your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. In Australia last year, we lost over 3,000 people to depression and suicide. In the US, you lost nearly 50,000 people. But you know what? They're just numbers. Do numbers really matter? 
I want you to do me a favor. Everybody close their eyes for a moment. I want you to imagine all your wonderful family, your friends, the people you've got relationships with. Think of the great times you've had together, the beautiful moments, the memories. Now imagine tomorrow morning when you open your eyes, every one of those people were gone, taken drastically from your life. Now open your eyes and be blessed to know they're still here. Because these aren't numbers. These are people. These are lives. And lives matter. Even one life lost is too much. And the fact that even one suicide affects a minimum of 100 people. That means in Australia last year, over 300,000 people were affected. In the US, nearly 5 million people were affected. Starts to become a little clearer. And people say to me all the time, I, I just don't know why. I didn't see the signs. Why didn't they just reach out for help? Well, you know what? The fact is they did reach out for help. But you never saw the signs. Because so often the signs are hard to see. You see, you're, usually depression is hidden behind a smile. You go to work with a smile on your face trying to show the world that everything's okay when inside your head you're in the fight of your life fighting to get through the days, the hours, the minutes, the seconds, trying to prove to yourself why you should even bother going on. And you fight on and you fight on until one day you don't. So how do we recognize the signs before it becomes too late? What can we do to see these things? Well, I'm going to tell you. Depression is very physical. It's very rare that someone's going to come to you and say, hey, I'm depressed today. They don't do it. It's like mining. You've got to dig deep. You've got to find this stuff out. So what do we do? We look for the signs. Very fit, first off is people become isolated because you go inside your headspace trying to solve this problem. And sometimes when all these voices are in your head, it becomes insurmountable and you don't know how to fix it. Over time, you start becoming run down. You stop eating so well because you can't sleep so well. And so when people come to work, a lot of the time you'll find these extra sick days they turn up late, or they turn up looking more disheveled than normal. These are all clear signs that someone is struggling. If you're on a very physical work site like I grew up in as a kid, as a builder, you've got to be careful because people become careless and reckless. Because if they don't care about their life, they're not thinking about yours. Notice these signs. And if you see these signs of someone struggling, of someone having a hard time, don't just brush it off, go, you know, Charlie's not talking today. Ask them those three simple words, are you okay? But there's two bigger signs that you need to really understand. If someone's struggling big time and they're right on the edge of it, people start giving things away. They'll give away all their possessions. And don't just go, wow, look, Jimmy gave me a new PlayStation. How good is this? No, Jimmy's struggling. Jimmy's on the edge. You've got to look for those signs. If people give away all their stuff, there's a reason for it. Ask the question, are you okay? And the last sign that someone's on the edge, they completely give up and they become happy. If someone's been depressed for a long period of time and suddenly they're happy, you don't go, wow, great, that's awesome, they're so happy now. No. You know why they're happy? 
because they've made a decision to end their life. And all those pressures and all the weight of the world that was crushing them down and pushing them down, it's gone. Because they've made a decision to end it. And now there's no more pain and no more trouble. So ask the question. I know these signs all too well. I've lost 12 people from my life to suicide. My first friend at 16. And a lot more since then. Every year, I seem to lose someone else. I want you to raise your hands. Has anyone here ever lost someone to suicide? Raise your hands. I'm sorry. It's global. This isn't just isolated to America or Australia. It's global. And we need to make a change to this. In 2013, I found out the signs firsthand because I went through my own struggles with the darkness. I was a failed school kid in every sense of the word. In fact, I was so bad at school that I was kicked out of three preschools by four and a half. By the age of five, my kindergarten teacher pulled my parents aside and said I would be the reason she quit the profession. <laughs> but no matter what people said to me, I had this dream. I had a dream of making movies. And no matter what was said, I always had this in my, my mind, my head. I wanted to be a, a filmmaker. And so I went for it. And it took me years, 15 years of struggle, 15 years of failure, 15 years of people telling me no. 15 years of going to work in jobs I hated all day just to come home and teach myself how to make movies at night. But in 2003, this failed school kid, this self-taught filmmaker, walked onto the film set of the Hollywood film Happy Feet One as one of the film's directors. And success led to success. We got to make Happy Feet Two and then moved on to Mad Max Fury Road. I was made the principal fight choreographer, the weapons advisor. I trained all the actors, trained all the stunt performers, and designed all the action for the movie. A dream come true. Oh, but it's amazing how quickly a dream can become a nightmare. From the moment we landed in Africa to start making this film, nothing went to plan. Departmental troubles, issues with the actors, issues with the studio, and we very quickly spiraled out of control. And after 12 months, the studio had had enough. And they came in, and with a single stroke of a pen, they shut us down. And my dream became a nightmare. And we returned home to Australia with nothing. January the 9th, 2013. It was my birthday, and as my present, I lost my career. Within four weeks, I went from the top of the world working with A-list Hollywood actors to the bottom of a muddy lift shaft with a shovel, scraping dried mud off sheet pile walls as a labourer, 10 hours a day, six days a week, just to try and make ends meet. It took me to a really dark place, a place where I struggled very quickly to find my way out of. And it doesn't take long for these voices to start talking to you in your head, telling you no good, that you, you don't have what it takes, that the people were right about you, and it takes you down. And to make it worse, no one on this site knew me. They, no one knew where I'd come from, how I'd fallen or what had happened. You know why? Because it was all hidden behind a smile. But if they just looked, if they just known the signs, if they just looked behind the smile, they would have seen I was struggling. Because when someone smiles for real, they light up the room. Their eyes change. It looks amazing. But when someone's struggling, the eyes don't change. It's like its own personal little oxymoron. There's a smile and there's pain. 
You've got to look behind the smile to see what's going on. They needed to look for the physical signs, the way I was slumping and walking around the site, the way I lacked energy, the way I lacked speaking. I stayed away from people so I didn't have to talk. All signs that I was suffering, but no one saw the signs. So I kept going lower. At home, I was becoming a bad husband, a bad father. My wife would want to talk to me when I got home from work, but I didn't want to know about her. My kids would want to play with me, but I didn't want to play with them. I had no energy. I was so emotionally and physically crushed. And it wasn't that I was trying to be bad. I was trying to protect them and keep them safe from all the pain and anguish and fear that I was going through. And it took me lower. The whole time I was too proud or too stupid to reach out and ask for help. After one year of this, I had nothing left. And I was in the darkest place I'd ever been. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was my birthday one year later, January the 9th, 2014. And I was done. I got up early that morning and I walked into the bedroom and sat next to the bed, just looking at my two kids, watching them as they slept, listening to them breathe like I did on the day they were born. And I thought to myself, how will they go on without me if I don't come home? Maybe they'd be better off without me. And at that very moment, my little boy just happened to open his eyes. And Mason looked up at me and just said, love you, daddy. And I thought to myself, what are you doing? You've got to fight. You've got to fight for these kids. You've got to fight for this family. You've got to fight for this life. And so I made the promise to myself to fight back. I kissed my two kids and I headed out the door to work. I walked onto the building site about half an hour late. And as I did, a workmate of mine, Benny, walked past me. He headed into the decon chamber where we got changed and he took all his protective gear off as I got mine on. And I turned and watched as he headed up to the 14th floor of the building. And as I walked out of the change rooms, he hit the ground in front of me. It was the most devastating thing I'd ever been through. We ran in to try and save him, to try and help him, but it was too late. So many people saw this happen. So many people witnessed this. The heads of the company didn't know what to do, so while they tried to find help, they corralled a thousand workers up into this staging area and left them there. And after I finished my interview with the police, I remember walking into this room and seeing these big, tough, strong guys all sitting there, staring at nothing not knowing what to do, not knowing what to say. And I don't know to this day what came over me, but I felt compelled to speak. And I got up and I said, you know what, guys, this stops here. We think we're tough, we're not tough. We're not tough until we can raise our hands and say, I'm struggling, until I can put my hand up and say, please, I'm having a hard time, help me. I said, if anyone else in this room is feeling the same way, you come and see me when I'm finished, I will walk you to help myself. When I finished, six workers came up to me and said they were thinking of doing the same thing. And we walked them to help. And they're still with us today. That was the moment. That was the moment I realized that I had a purpose again, to fight back, to help people's lives. But I knew first I had to help my own. 
So I started putting steps in place to improve myself, and I want to give these steps to you. Because I know in every audience I've ever spoken to, there's someone struggling, someone too scared to vent themselves, to tell someone they're having a hard time. Please, talk. If you're having a hard time, I want you to do these things. Number one, tell someone. Everyone here has been through some hardships. Raise your hands if you've felt days where you've had a rough time, you didn't want to go on, things have been tough, you didn't see the purpose. Look around everybody, it's pretty much everyone. You've got friends, use them, talk to them, please. Start keeping a journal. If you keep a journal of your thoughts, you will do so much better. Because when thoughts all hit you, they become overwhelming. But when you write them down, you can break them down. Then they become solvable. Start getting some exercise. You know what? Half an hour of exercise improves your brain health for 12 hours. Two exercise sessions a day, you're good to go. Remember that. But not just in the gym. Get back to nature. Get your shoes off and get on the grass. You know why? It's clinically proven that getting back to nature recalibrates your body. And it brings you back to better brain health, better physical health. Success versus fulfillment. Too many people are chasing dollars. They think success is money. It's not, it's a tainted word. Don't use that, use this, fulfillment. What makes you want to get up in the morning? What makes you happy? What makes you smile? Is it your kids, is it your family? Is it your friends? Is it just going to do what you do, your family time? That matters, use it. That's what makes you happy in life. It's clinically proven that that makes you happy. I left the construction industry and I worked very hard to become a national ambassador for Suicide Prevention Australia and for Lifeline. And we released our film, we got back and finished that and we did well with that film and I made a promise to walk away because it was more important that I help people get back on the path of life. And out of all my time working in suicide prevention, I've learned that life comes down to two, just two very simple things, connection and communication, that's it. We need real friends, not Facebook friends. Friends that you can look at, friends who you can talk to, hold, hug if you need to. Friends you'll be there for, who will be there for you. And we need to start talking again. Get your eyes off your phones, people. Look up, look, everyone's got eyes. Use them, look at each other. You're good looking people, I can see you from here. <laughs> Utilize it. You've got great people all around you, speak to them again. It's a beautiful experience, don't waste it. But I want us today to do more than that. I want us to start being the agent of change. So I ask everyone here to please stand with me with a little more energy than that. I know it's early. I've got friends at home in Australia, it's 1.30 in the morning, they're doing it tougher. All right, now, I want you to say with me these very simple words, are you okay, on the count of three. Now, once you do that, don't jump in early. Once you do that, I want you to turn the person on your right and left and give them a great big hug. And you know why? It's clinically proven that if you hold and hug someone for one minute, it actually releases oxytocin and makes you feel better. So on the count of three, are you ready? One. Two, three, ah, you, okay. Now give him a hug. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Together, we can change this planet one life at a time. <laughs>